Hi, I'm Lanny. On this podcast, I'll dive deep into all things home. Steading, cooking, schooling, making, food preservation, and scratch-made everything. Our homes used to be more than just a place to sleep and charge our smartphones. The home was the heart of our families, a place where we could birth our babies, school our children, grow, raise, cook, and preserve our own food, host weddings in the pasture, and funerals in our parlor. Do you want to take back your autonomy and breathe new life into your home? Let's learn together. With intention, we can rely more on ourselves and less on the systems that don't serve us. This is the Greener Postures Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Greener Postures Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lanny, and today I have a special guest with me. This is Lexi with Home Team Farm. You can find her on Instagram at Home Team Farm, and she's here to talk to me today about homesteading, homeschooling, all things home, as we like to do here and whatever we get into. So Lexi, welcome. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, I I found you on Instagram and and listened to some of your podcasts, and it's just cool to find someone else who dives into like you were saying, just all things homesteading and homemaking. I think it's uh, so cool to get to connect with people like that. So I'm excited to talk to you. It is. And I was resistant to jumping online for a lot of years. And I'm so glad I did because I've had a chance to talk to people all over the place with, you know, different backgrounds and perspectives, but all with the same goal of kind of like moving away from systems that don't serve us and moving into doing more for ourselves. And it's it's been really inspiring every time I talk to somebody new. So I'm really glad you reached out and I'm happy to talk to you today. Yeah, yeah. I was just, I was the same way. Totally against social media for a very long number <laughs> of years and the value that I've gained from just community and social media and being able to actually meet people in my area over the last year since we started homesteading has been invaluable. I mean, I made so many connections. We bought our first milk cow from someone I met on Instagram. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, yes. just lots, lots of things, lots of connections. That's excellent. Yes. Yeah. It's some, every tool can be good, used for good or evil. Even, you know, yes. a hammer can be used <laughs> to kill somebody or to hammer a nail and build a house. So we always have to think of how can we use these tools that we have at our disposal to make the best of things. And I think that's what we're both striving for here. Yes. Um, why don't you really quick, just tell, introduce yourself, tell people, tell my listeners who you are and um, a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, um, my husband, his name's Cody. I'll probably reference him a few times. So his name is Cody and he is from Tennessee and we have three, uh, beautiful little girls. Um, I'll just, just turned five and then I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, so we're busy. That's fun. But we recently just left the military. I was a Marine Corps officer and, um, and, and I, I know you can get a little politically incorrect on here. So, uh, we left in, in 2021, um, during the height of the COVID vaccine and everything. I was actually on deployment when the vaccine became mandatory. Um, and my religious exemptions were not approved, um, or recognized. And so we decided to put in my resignation and that was kind of a really big shifting point for us to come back to Tennessee. We were stationed in California at the time, um, which I I'm actually from California. And so, um, that was, it was a little heartbreaking, but to leave my favorite state, um, for many reasons, but, but we came back to my husband's home state, um, not too far from where he grew up and we bought a farm, a farm that has not been farmed for um, many decades now. <laughs> it used to be, um, this whole area that we live in used to be, uh, a cattle farm ran by 
um, a family and some of that family still keeps a little bit of the land next door to us. But um, some some of the land has just been sectioned off for for smaller homesteads and and for smaller families. So we bought this little piece of land and we had a big dream of starting our homestead journey. Um, and the first thing we dove into was a milk cow. So yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was kind of like go big or go home for us. And I guess that's just kind of our personality. But um, that's what we started with. And then we got we got going with chicken and chickens and raising our own meat, um, chicken meat. And then I bought another milk cow. And so being able to raise our own beef here. Uh, my husband loves hunting. So he loves fishing. I mean, all those things. And so we, um, I guess we kind of have just always had the homestead spirit um, growing up. My dad was a dairy farmer. I spent most of my childhood, you know, playing in the woods, um, just outside camping all the time, and then getting to go to the Marine Corps and doing some really cool, adventurous, fun, physically challenging things. You know, that's just kind of like who we are. And so um, we enjoy the challenge of the homestead of raising our own livestock, uh, get our girls getting to grow up and do the same thing. Love the challenge of learning how to, you know, ferment new foods. And I mean, just all these skills, it's, it's so fun to wake up in the morning and be like, what are we going to learn today? And that's, and that's yeah. kind of, that's kind of how we wake up. It's like, this is going to be a good day. What are we going to learn today? Oh, I love um, that so much. It's interesting that you were in the military and you would have had a toddler and an infant then when you were deployed and you decided to come home in 2021. Is that right? Yes, I did. And I, I had my first daughter, I wouldn't say unexpectedly. I mean, you know, it happens when, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> unexpectedly and, um, and that changed me and I, and I had a contract though. So I finished my contract, um, and that included the deployment. And so I did, but yes, yeah, she was two. And then my second was, it was right after her first birthday that I left. So, wow. um, so yeah, but that was a very, that was a very like, I don't know, just pivotal time in my life too, where it's like, I want to be a mom and I want to stay home with my kids. And so we very much look forward to that time being finished. And that was um, something that I had waited, you know, since my first daughter was born. Um, mm-hmm. But but the, the COVID vaccine was really like the icing. That's a big push. The cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Big push for sure. So right now you're, you've got uh, chickens, you're doing meat chickens and laying hens. You've yes, got the yeah. dairy cow and two dairy cows. We have two two milk cows. Um, one, it, she's a heifer and she's due in December, and then the other one, um, she calved in September, mm-hmm. and so we have her and her calf. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. And then I did see yeah. a post you made on Instagram that might be controversial to some, but only makes perfect sense to me, which is that, the <laughs> dairy, you know, what will you do with this calf that's been born now in your homestead? And that the answer to that is that you'll grow it out and have that be meat. And I, that's like, to me, such a beautiful thing that you can raise something with such care and love and see it for its whole life and see it through till it can nourish your family. Whereas other people think, how could you do that to your, it's not the same as having puppies <laughs> and growing them yeah. out to eat them. And I think people have our time distinguishing that. Um, so how do you decide if you're, so you have a female calf, how do you decide if that will become another dairy cow or if that's going to become ground beef? Yeah, she actually bred. Um, she was bred with an Angus bull. That was kind mm. of the bit. That was kind of a big deal for us. So, um, and we our focus here. I'm not trying to, and I'm all for people doing this. I think it's awesome. But for the time and place in our life right now, this is for our, to feed our family in our in our home. And I'm not looking to really do anything more than that. Um, 
as far as being able to provide for others in our community. Of course, we have, you know, I love giving the extra milk to my neighbors or whatever it may be, but I'm not looking to, I guess, build an entire business off of farming. Right. <laughs> I just don't have the land or kind of the capacity for that right now. Um, so, so, but with just what you were saying though, being able to like raise it for yourself and then be able to, you know, there's going to be come a time where she's going to be in our freezer. And it's like, it is a beautiful thing though, because you get to care for this animal while recognizing like, I don't know, just the sanctity of life and being able to, to realize like she is going to feed our, fa- our family. She is going to nourish our family. I care about the nourishment of her now because she's going to nourish my own children, you know? And so, um, I mean, that, that is how we are designed. <laughs> that is the cycle of life. It is beautiful. And I, I feel for animals that are in these huge meat markets that maybe don't get to experience, you know, the beautiful life that, that our cows do get here. And so, um, and I, and I really do. I learned that from my dad. He, he was a dairy farmer for a couple decades and I mean, he's, he'll never eat veal in his life. He's like these, these poor calves, they sit in a box, you know, and their entire, their entire life, the, the six, seven months of their life, they sit in this box and they get to stand up and sit down and that's it. And, you know, it's like, I want, I want to be able to treat these animals humanely and give them the life they deserve. And then at the end of the day, you know, they, they do feed our family. That's the goal. So, um, so yeah, I guess it, I guess it was kind of a no brainer for us because we need, we need meat. We need beef. (laughs) My children need that. But, um, but we do love, we do love her. We do love all of them. You're still going to care for them. Exactly. That's, that's great. And it's so, I think it's so important that we're teaching our children that from a young age, because you you know, you were around it then somewhat. My dad hunted, so I, I had some of that, and we fished mm-hmm. together. Um, but so many kids do are so detached that they don't understand that meat comes from anywhere else than a styrofoam container covered in plastic with a label on it. They don't understand that an apple comes from a tree in this, some of the cities, you know? So yeah. we, we have this responsibility to teach our children um, that, like, circle of life and how food works and where it comes from so that they have an appreciation for it, as well as so that we're not we have an alternative to being constantly poisoned with the toxins that they're putting in the processed yes. food. We need to be able to make a choice. And for a lot of people, sure, it's hard. You can't, not everybody can just have a milk cow, but you can purchase from a local farm. You can find someone nearby. You can do some kind of a, a share where people are bringing things into the city. There's other ways, other avenues to try to get food for your family other than this, the grocery store or the fast food um, drive through line. So I think, um, bringing more awareness to that has been important to me as I move closer, you know, more into getting really into making this big priority in our lives. And I think that's really cool that you're, you're not only doing these things and you're, you're like new at it, but while this is this exciting spark and you're really learning, you're out there also sharing it. So I really appreciate that, that you're putting stuff out on your Instagram page. People can follow you at uh, home team farm on Instagram and see the cute pictures of the little baby nursing <laughs> from the mom. It's so great. So um, meat chickens, did you get a specific meat bird breed and, and raise your own? Yes. I did the freedom Rangers and that turned out wonderfully. And it just kind of goes back. I, um, and if anyone is in Tennessee, there's a great woman's homesteading group here. And so uh, I got plugged into this homesteading group, um, that is just, you know, strictly women in this group and, and they throw out a lot of recommendations and guidance and advice and wisdom from people who have farmed much longer than we have. And so, um, 
it was between Cornish Cross and and uh, and Freedom Rangers, and someone just gave a good a good uh, I don't know just good advice on raising ra- raising Freedom Rangers, and we had a lot of success with them. So we raised I think it was like twenty three. I'll admit my dog ate one. <laughs> that was sad. And then my daughter, my daughter actually stepped on another one the day got here. Um, so we lost, we lost a couple, but they grew great. Um, they're delicious. I made one last night in my instant pot. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to just walk to your deep freezer and it's so satisfying to see your work, you know, um, in your kitchen. Absolutely. Um, but that was, that was good. And again, just back to the cycle of life, like my daughters, we had to explain to them, you know, this is just like if you went to the grocery store, except we grew them here in our backyard and they had a beautiful life on green grass mm-hmm. and, and we did hold them and play with them. You know, it, it, it's yeah. sweet. It's sweet for, um, for my little girls to see. It's good for them to see that this is, this is how you get food on the table. Like no one is obligated or responsible for the food that comes on our table, except for us. Like we need to take ownership of that. And so that is something we have been trying to really work at. And, and we want to model that for our children. It's like, no one is responsible for our health. No one is responsible for giving us food. Um, just like people saw in, in 2020, like if the grocery shut down, like we are responsible for taking care of our family. And yeah. so it, it's just something we want to model. And we got to do that with the chickens. So it was, it was cool. I love that. Um, what kind of skills did you have prior to starting homesteading? Were you much of a cook or did you know how to make things from scratch, bake or anything like that? Yeah, I, I love to cook and my mom and dad love to cook. So that was just kind of something we grew up with. Um, hunting was something we did. My husband hunts fishes. Um, but as far as like raising livestock, no, not really. <laughs> yeah. That was just something we we jumped into. Chickens, no, not really. It was just something we jumped into. Um, but I feel like again, just kind of going back to the Marine Corps experience and and how I grew up as a kid, like being outside, you know, was was something I just like thrived on. Like just getting to work with animals was something I loved doing. Um the Marine Corps, like just the going to the field and, you know, just like the, the primal like need to be outside (laughs) and to work hard and, and, um, and to take on a challenge like that. Those are probably the most valuable skills. Like I get excited to go milk our cow. I don't care if it's like 20 degrees in, you know, six o'clock in the morning. Like that's something that, that we just love the challenge of. And, um, I guess those are probably the most valuable skills that we took into to homesteading. I didn't I didn't know how to do this, but there was a lot of great women in, in this homesteading group that kind of kind of led me, you know, to I don't know the ins and outs of finding the animals and how to care for them, what books to read, and all of that. But it's really like, man, a little grit and being able to take on a challenge and just go for it will go a long ways. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you might not yes. know the ins and outs of everything, but you'll yes. figure that part out. <laughs> just get started. Yeah. Don't yeah. overthink it. You know, if we yes. are planning things meticulously or waiting for a perfect moment, we can miss out on really good opportunities to actually learn something because you're doing it. That's when you really yeah. learn. So you can study as much as you want to beforehand, but really jumping in and doing the thing, that's where the learning comes in. And I, oh, yeah. yeah, I love it. Um, so what are you doing with your milk? Have you learned any uh skills like cheese making or anything like that i have not started on cheese we've done the yogurt we've done butter and buttermilk that comes with it um and then we just drink a lot of yeah (laughs) my kids all drink milk my husband drinks a lot of milk 
Um, I give it to my chickens. We have a little kitten that my daughter got for her birthday that loves the milk too. Uh Um, And then I hope to add pigs next year. So that is, that was kind of something, that was one of the reasons we got a second milk cow. The first reason was that my, my first cow really needed some, a companion. Um, I didn't believe that that she did at first. Um, so I, we only bought her thinking like that would be enough for us. Uh, but her personality did kind of change over a few months and it was interesting. Like she would get sad to see us leave her, you know, like we would go out there to see her and she'd kind of be sad. So we got her another milk cow and that was kind of, kind of a reason why we did. And then the second reason was so that we could feed more animals on our farm. And one of that, one of the animals that we wanted to get is pigs. So yeah, pork that's um, fed dairy is very good pork. So yeah, yeah that's, there's never extra milk really when you have you know a farm because there's there's always something to do with it. And I'm excited they have the opportunity to move forward with things like cheese making because I've been yes. learning that over the last year and learning to keep a clabber culture, which is the natural culture that you can make like a sourdough starter from your your raw milk. So since you have unpasteurized, unadulterated milk, you can basically start a sourdough starter and have your own. You don't have to buy freeze-dried starter cultures to do your cheese making. You can just use, you know, grow your own. Or yeah. you could invest in kefir grains, which is a nice next step if you haven't ever done kefir. Uh, because it's kind of like yogurt, except it's easier. You don't have to inoculate it at a certain temperature. It does room temperature. So you just put these uh, cultures into your raw milk and let it sit overnight. And then you have kefir the next day, which is like a cultured dairy product. And it's really good. And it's so, so good. Uh, yeah. So many flavors too. Yes. That you uh huh. Yeah. Then you can put jam in it or whatever else you have that's super good or maple syrup and um, love the kefir stuff. So that's exciting. I hope to have a dairy cow eventually. Uh, it's it's a it's a goal. But right now we're lucky enough to have a dairy that's close by us that actually just finally officially got certified to legally sell their raw milk, which is awesome. is great, but also sucks because the price went up. But <laughs> you know when you have to pay the state to be able to to do business, it costs more money. So what are you going to do? So crazy. But, yes, so to crazy. be able to grab <laughs> grab milk that's not pro- uh, processed. That's just from a you know a farm that you know just on the other side of our tree line that's sharing in the same environment we are. It feels really really good making cheese from that and doing the other things we've been doing. It's great too. Is uh, uh, is raw milk is it legal in Washington State? It is legal. Um, it's difficult to sell directly from the farm. So this is the first one in our county that's actually selling directly from the farm. Um, but they it was the bottling uh, part of it that was difficult for them to get. They had previously been selling their uh, milk to Dairy Gold that would then um, pasteurize it and bottle it and and sell it. So this is the first one in our county, but there's a few others. And there's like the, the you know, hippie food co-op downtown will sell raw milk that you can buy, but you can't, you're not supposed to just sell it straight from the farm. So it, there's, there's laws in place, but it is legal. And I'm, it's fortunate. Is it legal where you are in Tennessee? Um, it is legal to participate in a herd share or to sell it as pet milk. Um, when we were in California, it was legal. We actually, we would buy it from the grocery store in California. There was like a yeah, you know, just raw goat milk, raw cow's milk. So it's funny when like uh, people with a lot of money and celebrities, when they realize something's good and they can lobby for it, then you have <laughs> it illegal yes. there where the people could afford to make noise about it. But yeah. I know there's a, like a lot of people that have been trying really hard to get that. Those laws changed and there's a few states that are still like pet milk's the only way to get it. But when you get it home, it's whatever you want it to be. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, you have to know people. And I think that's why networking locally is super important as well. So important. Yeah. I think it's such a valuable food source and, you know, 
I hate when people say that we're the only mammal that drinks another mammal's milk because, you know, you already told me about your kitten and your chickens and the pigs next time. <laughs> I think anybody who could get their hands on it would. So thank you, dairy cows, for being gentle enough to let us share with you. And we really oh, appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And it tastes delicious too. If you haven't yes. had milk with like real cream mixed into it, uh -huh. you're kind of, real, you're kind of missing out. Milk yeah. and it's never <laughs> been heated. It gives it such a different taste in your mouth. I remember always feeling like milk was kind of gross when I was growing up. Like it was almost phlegmy. And it's mm -hmm. like, that's not what raw milk tastes like. It's like refreshing and nourishing. It's like when you don't know what you want for breakfast, it's like, that's all you need. It's like, yep. the, it's a whole <laughs> meal right there. It's a food. Um, so will you tell us a little bit about kind of like where you came from, which you have, um, but how did you make this shift in mindset where you wanted to do more for yourself? Do you think that that was kind of always something you were built into and maybe like the 2020 era kind of changed direction a little bit and maybe having kids would have put you in that direction? Yeah. I mean, there's probably, there's probably many factors. Um, kind of always something we wanted to do. Like my husband talked about when we were dating, you know, I mean, it was a discussion, um, but the military was just kind of the, the piece that needed to get finished. Um, I just really grew up like thinking like I didn't want my freedom to be free. And so I, I felt like I needed to serve in the military and so did my husband. And so, um, but 2020, I mean, it like it fast tracked it, you know, <laughs> it was like, all right, this, this has to happen now. And, um, and having kids, it's like, I want, like you were saying, I don't trust what's on the shelves at stores. Like I want to be able to nourish my kids and store them well. Um, and I have had the ability to do it and this land came up and it was like, all right, this is what we're doing. Um, and I, and I, I'm, I'm just learning, you know, I, I feel weird when people like ask me, what should I do? Or you know, I don't know, just because I share on Instagram doesn't mean I know everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm definitely learning. And so I, I can share with you all the things that I I've done wrong and, and there's plenty of those, but, but we just had to start, like we just had to buy some land and, and get going because this was really just a dream of ours that had been, you know, we had been talking about for a decade. And so I'm, I'm grateful for how 2020 like really opened our eyes. I'm grateful for how motherhood really opened my eyes in a lot of ways. Um, just coming from the military culture of, you know, do what you're told. And it was like, no, <laughs> like there's, there is more to this role than do what you're told. And so and um, that was, that really just like kind of triggered something. And my husband and I, he, he had been homeschooled. I had not, you know, I was part of the California school system. And so um, it, it really triggered something. It kind of set a fire in me that was like, I'm, I'm going to question pretty much like every aspect of our lives and see if it really, you know, matches up to like our value system um, or if it's something that I need to like find an alternate route towards. And food was one of those things. Schooling was one of those things. Just the traditional like work nine to five for a corporate job was one of those things. Like, I mean, there were so many things that we picked apart and we we're like, we just need like full stop, buy some land, <laughs> do this homesteading thing. And it has been a lot of work. Like I, I can't lie. I, it's not, you know, beautiful pictures. It's not um, there's been, you know, some fights, there's been some quarrels. My kids haven't always enjoyed it. Like I, I think that it is a work in progress all the time, but I am so grateful that we just bought the land and did the thing and learned. And like I said before, we did not know the ins and outs, but this has been so fun. Like it really has. We, we've enjoyed it. Um, there is so much 
just like freedom and accomplishment that comes in seeing the food that you raised on your table. Like it's sweet. It's fun. It's something we laugh about. We smile about it. We're like, look what we're doing. You know, like I made, I made, you know, butter and it's like, my kids loved it on their waffles. And it was like, yes, we both just thought it was the coolest thing. Um, It's fun. It's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, um, it's like, it's hard, almost hard to describe, you know, and it's almost hard to, it's hard. To, I don't know that I could ever go back from it to, no. to having that satisfaction, satis- being so satisfied with what you're doing at the end of the day, being tired at the end of the day for the work that mm-hmm. you've done, you know, that, um, delayed gratification of waiting for your carrots to grow, uh, and, and then yeah. getting to try them and seeing little kids, especially, um, or even the bigger kids, you know, I've got a 10 year old and I've got one that just turned three. They both just had birthdays. So ours are pretty far spaced apart. Uh-huh. So the, the 10 year old is, um, you know, bored and doesn't want to engage with things. And then, but then he's listening all the time. Like, cause when yep. he talks to somebody else, he can tell them all about the garden or all about sourdough or all about fermentation and why it works. <laughs> and he's proud of that. And when he, we, you know, he might be reluctant to do the chicken chores, but anytime we have someone coming over and he knows someone's going to see him, he's so proud to go out there and like have his boots on and and go and help and feed the chickens and, you know, collect eggs. And the the three-year-old now is just like, it's amazing how much they can learn and how quickly of like what's safe to eat and what's not and what, where the food is coming from. And he's always going back to check the strawberry patch because he hasn't quite caught on that. We have to wait till spring. He's just double checking that there's no berries there because he will eat them all even before they're red. And it's like the cutest. And it's just like, like you said, when you make something with kids, even something that they typically wouldn't like, if you Mm -hmm. make that and they see the process of being made and they're part of that, they're way more interested interested in eating that thing. So if you want your kid to eat vegetables, grow vegetables. If you want your kid to eat meat, raise your own meat and cook it together. If you want your kid to eat better um, grain products, then make sourdough. You know, there's, there's all these opportunities for us to get involved together and get kids involved. And it just, it changes their mindset about it. And it's, it's really fun. It's really fun. Um, yeah, I, I love it. So, um, let's see. What else? Where should we go here from here? Um, oh yes. Homeschooling. That's what I was going to ask about. So is your five-year-old would be be considered kindergarten if you were doing the conventional thing yet, or would that be next? Yes. No, it would be this year. She turned five in November. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's kind of my timeline when I grew up. Um, yeah, she'd be considered kindergarten and I do not really subscribe to any specific curriculum. Um, probably more like Charlotte Mason, um, I've read a couple Charlotte Mason books and really love, you know, that philosophy, but we are learning to read. My kid is, you know, wanting to milk the cow and trying to milk the cow. She pretty much like raises her kitten and her chickens all by herself, her and her sister. And so I just think there's so many valuable lessons <laughs> that, uh, she's learning and it doesn't have to be in a school building. Um, and I, I love it. She loves art and crafts and she's, you know, wants to play piano and do horses and she does gymnastics. I mean, there's just so many things that she gets excited about in life. And that is what learning should be about is like, what can you get excited to learn about and then just go after it. And I love seeing how kids model that. Um, It makes me feel like a kid again myself, you know, like I, and I don't know what your background is with school, but I was, like I said, I was in the school system and my mom has said things like, you know, if I had known more, I wish we would have homeschooled Aww. you. Like if I knew yeah. more then. And, and I think a lot of parents can feel that way, but 
I mean, I turned out okay, but <laughs> there was a lot of um there was a lot of times like in middle school and high school where I was just so bored out of my mind. Like there was things I loved and I lived for the weekend, even as a high schooler, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that adults fall into, that trap of just living for the weekend. But school really kind of just sucked a lot of fun and a lot of love for learning out of me. And I wanted to be able to give my kids the opportunity to learn at their own pace, whatever they wanted to. And and I do think there's got to be a little bit of structure. Personally, like in our family, I, I do want a little bit of structure around it. Um, but I never want my kids to feel like they're, I don't know, just been put in this box that they have to learn, you know, a certain curriculum or rhetoric or whatever. I want to see them go chase what they love. And, yes. and that's really kind of how we're doing homeschooling. Well, it's really is because you think about when you're an adult and you find an interest, then you do the research and you learn about it. And as you're learning about that, you might have to learn about other things to understand, maybe new vocabulary or or math or something. And and when you think of unschooling, unschooling or any other project-based child-led learning, mm-hmm. it, it is that. It's just following your passions, getting excited about it. And then whatever you need to know to do that thing, you're going to learn it along the way. And then that's going to check all those boxes that they want you to check. It's just not on that same timeline. And it can yep. be done in this free way where they can, you're not crushing that will and excitement and like want to like learn. And if you know this now, when your kids are little and you're young, you can start on the right foot and do that. And you have like such an advantage to people who had to learn later that they didn't want their kids in that system because then there's this whole mindset shift for that child who's already maybe, depending on their personality, become resistant to learning and thinking it's a negative thing. So they're kind of always looking out of the corner of the eye, see, are you trying to teach me something or are we just playing? You know, that was my 10 year old (laughs) because he did preschool. We took him out before kindergarten, but he was in preschool and that was still enough. It was pre-K, you know, um, preparing you for kindergarten. And it was sit down, stay in line, use your pen, you know? And he is not that kind of a guy. He learns physically. He wants to stand up when I'm reading to him or when he's drawing. Like, And that yeah. kind of stuff's just like not okay in school. I was also, yeah, I went to conventional public school. So did my husband. But you said your husband is home, was homeschooled. And so was, was that a good experience for him? Is that something that, it, it, do you think it made him and his family closer? Is that like a, a positive thing? Yes, it was very positive for him. And he um, he did attend public school and high school for football. And but I mean, he had enough homeschooling experience to be like, wait, this isn't right. You know, when he got to high school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) because by the time they're that age, they can think for themselves. So they know they can go and just, you know, I'm just going to go along this so I can get what I want out of it. Yeah. Like that has totally indoctrinated them. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that was like when we were dating, we we went to college together and we always talk about and I and I will say this and I don't think I don't think this applies to everyone, but one of my biggest regrets in life was going to college. And we just talk about, I mean, we, we hated it. Like we were, we were ready to go do other things. And I I hated sitting in class with my husband and not everyone's like that, but we, but we were, we were just like, we want to go learn about other things, but we have to learn about this, you know, and it didn't really make sense to us. And so my husband was very big, you know, about our kids being homeschooled and, um, and that and that was something I, I I loved too. I just never had that experience myself. But he always had a positive outlook on homeschooling and be able. He has so many stories of they finished their schoolwork and he would do woodworking. That was his favorite thing out in the woods. They had a shed and he would you know just woodwork as a kid. And I think that's so sweet. He got to um, 
have a childhood that was just filled outside in the woods. And that was something he looks back on very positively. And I, I love that. I love That's that so much. So cool. Yeah. I mean, think about how many hours we send our child to a uh, expense, you know, a cheap daycare to be with people that don't love them so yeah. that we can go to a somewhere we don't love and yeah. work for something just so we can pay to have a house that sits there empty when we're not in it. And it's yeah. like, we just have to shift our priorities and say, if I'm having kids, it's because I want to raise kids. And if I'm having kids, it's because I want to spend time with them. I'm not, exactly. they're not a burden. And it's almost like um this cliche joke of people of like, oh gosh, when are the kids, those videos of people celebrating when their kids go back to school in September, like they're drinking wine in their bathroom outside and dancing. It's like, I don't, I don't get, I just can't understand it. And it's like, yeah. it's just kind of like this, I don't know perpetuates this toxic idea of what a family is and that it's this burden and it's, it's boring, you know, or like the wife is nagging and the dad is useless and the kids are annoying. And it's like, when we kind of take back this into our own control and we focus, we come together and like, you're talking a lot about you and your husband were talking about how you wanted to raise your kids, you know, before you had them. Mm -hmm. And just to think, to take that forethought and have a relationship where you can communicate and you can make similar goals. Like we're strong as that unit. And it's like, it's, it's, if you can bring your kids up in that kind of environment, they're strong. And if you're young enough that you can be a young enough grandparent, then you can be yeah. a part of that unit as well. We need to bring back that generational family that we've lost too, you know? So yes. I don't know. I think that's really, really great. All of that is really, really great. Yeah. And our culture, just what, I mean, what you were saying about the generational thing, this is so interesting. Like our culture does not appreciate grandparents or great grandparents. It's like you miss out on so much wisdom that could be passed down when you have a relationship with people. Like I, I think that's so special for kids to get to grow up near their grandparents or their great grandparents um, and to learn from them. You know, it's not just, it's not just me and my husband <laughs> that right. I want around my yeah. kids. Like I do want them to experience generational wisdom. Um, and that's Absolutely. just not something our culture appreciates. It's not nowadays. because when we're sending the kids off to daycare or school mm -hmm. and we're going to work, we're sending our parents to be taken care of in a nursing home. And it's just, it doesn't yeah. make sense. And it, you know, they, you want them to sell off their house and all of, and get rid of their things and move into a nursing home before they pass away. They're not passing down the history of the family. They're not passing down property, which, which I would have yeah. real value. And the things that we have that we pass down through generation are shrinking, you know, little by little, maybe you have somebody's China set. You don't want, <laughs> we don't have, we don't have grandma in the house crocheting in the corner and telling stories to the kids, you know, then we're mm -hmm. there to help them. And they're, you know, there to help us so much too. And it's true. We look at it like a burden, just like we look at our children as a burden. And so that's, yeah. that's a kind of mind shift that I've really wanted to, to focus on and, appreciating all of these things and, and that richness that comes from that diversity in your family and try to bring that back. I hope I'm that grandma crocheting. Yes. I'll pick up crocheting then because I'll be tired <laughs> of doing everything else. <laughs> I'll be crocheting in the corner. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. And that's, and that's like the message. That's kind of why I started sharing on social media on Instagram was because I just want to get this message out. Hey, like wake up and rethink how we do things guys. Like, uh, that that video of the calf nursing on um, on her mama is like eighty percent of our meat is imported, guys. <laughs> yeah, think about think about that. Like, do we really appreciate our GDP more than we appreciate our culture and our traditions and our families? Like, 
I, I just, I want to be able to spread that message of there are things that matter more than just money and convenience. And there is great satisfaction in, in breaking free from those different systems. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and that's, I don't know, that's just so important. That's so important. There's more things more valuable than than money. And I was learning too that some of these companies are shipping beef to another country to then be packaged and then shipped back to be sold. It's this redundancy. It's this inefficiency. If you want to yep. worry about the potential of global warming, if that's even a thing, it's, it's, it's not us. It's not us. It's not your cow having gas. It's yeah. literally <laughs> them shipping meat back and forth through places just because they can sell it cheaper in one market and make more money that way. And how, how much fuel is used and how many resources are wasted and how the quality of that product goes down. It's kind of like, just, just stop. Like in a way you can't change that by protesting. You're not going to change that by yelling at people. You're going to change that by deciding where you spend your food dollars. And when other people ask you how you do it, you share that with them. And if they are interested and they want to, you help them facilitate that. That's how we make change. And, And that's, that's where I'm passionate about. And so do you have, um, for for instance, now your your freezer filled with some beef that you've gotten locally. Are you to that point yet, where you're buying from other farms? Yeah, our neighbors uh, raise Angus. Um, and we have a pig coming from my my friend out in West Tennessee. Uh, I don't know if she's considered West Tennessee, but she's closer west than I am. Um, and that's coming in February. And so we've really just tried to reach out and get as much as I can from the grocery or not from the grocery store from yes. from local farmers and people and and. It's it's awesome. Like build, it is worth building the community of if you're going into the homesteading thing. This is something that that we were that we did do right. And there's a lot we did wrong. This is something we did do right. Is like go meet every single neighbor, drop off the Christmas cookies, introduce yourself, (laughs) like ask them where they go to church. And if they don't have them over, like, I mean, there were so many things um that we did to just get to know everyone in our area. And you're gonna you're gonna need that tractor like that your neighbor has. Like you're gonna need someone to bail your hay. You're like you're gonna need someone to help you when your calf is not doing well. Like there's just so many things. We don't have a barn. Our our neighbor is amazing. One, we have amazing neighbors, but two, she has lent us her fields and her barns while we did some work on our on our pastures. Like uh, there's just so much value in having community and reaching out to people that grow their own food too. Like they know what they're doing. They've done it longer. Um, and people and who we, know your actual area too, not just a YouTube yes, photo, but somebody yes. who knows what, what your land is like and what the seasons are like. Cause until you've spent a whole year, until you spent 10 years really, but until you've been there, a feel full cycle, you don't know what all these different seasons are like and what to expect. And it, that's yeah. why be, talking to people who've been in the area for a long time is, is so valuable. Yeah. But I mean, just going back to your original question though, like your neighbors are growing food and they will sell it to you. Like, and, and you get to see how your food is grown. You get mm-hmm. to see how your meat is raised. And that that is really cool to know that there is nothing, you know, that's been injected into your beef that your kids are going to eat. There's nothing that's been injected into your pork that your kids are going to eat. Um, it's, it's so satisfying to know that your food is nourishing, um, that it's doing its job, you know, in your family's life. And so you there, there are farmers out there. Just, just go meet them. Just go knock on some doors. I mean, depending on where you live, but go knock on some doors, hand out the Christmas cookies with your kids and get to know your neighbors because they're growing food that you're not yet, um, 
And and you're probably going to save money, honestly, by buying mm-hmm. food locally than you will in a grocery store. Yep. You have to do it in bulk, but it is. It's an investment, yep. but it does yep. overall save us money. And it's so nice to know we have the food we need now. I don't have to run to the store in a snowstorm to get anything. Like we're, we're stocked. We're good. Yeah. And it, it feels really good knowing where our food comes from. And um, especially meat, because it's just so badly cared for and treated and... I I just, it's, yeah, it would be hard to ever go back from that's for sure. Especially when I I do browse the, you know, I just walk past the meat department in a grocery store and I have now for four years, five years. And I will occasionally just stop and be like, how much does ground beef cost these days? And you're like, and it's so much. Yeah. It's just like $4.99 a pound. (laughs) I'm like, not even good. It's not even like red. And it's like, I paid five bucks a pound, including my cut and wrap and everything. So I'm getting T-bones for that price. It's Uh like, you know, you can't, you can't beat it. And it's grass fed and I'm not even comparing it to grass fed beef. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's such a huge difference. And, and, and something um, something people should know about too is like when you buy the cow, I mean, you can ask for all of it. I mean, you can use up that whole cow in whatever way you want. You know, um, there's a little bit of work that needs to go into that with, you know, communication between whoever's raising that, that beef for you and then whoever's processing it. But I mean, just the pig, it's like, I get to save all of the lard. You know, that's something yeah. extra that you would have to go buy at the grocery store. It's more than just pork. It's like the lard that comes with it too. You know, there's, yep, absolutely. there's, there's so much um, that you can save by, by buying locally. Yeah, and for people who don't know, when you buy a portion of a cow or a whole cow or, or a, a pig, if you, you know, a meat share, you're, you're buying a half of, or a whole or a quarter of a whole of a live animal. And it's this way to get around the legal loophole of them, not farm, not being able to actually sell you meat. They sell you half of a live animal and you pick up your meat from the butcher. And so you get a cut sheet and that they ask you a few questions. How thick do you want your steaks? How many steaks do you want wrapped in a package? That kind of stuff. And that's where you write your notes. I want all the awful. I want the liver. I want the heart. I want the kidneys. Uh, I want the tongue. And then you say you want the fat and then you can render it. And, you know, like you can say, like for us, for a pig, my husband's a sausage maker. He's made sausage for 20 years. We don't want them to make sausage for us. So it's (laughs) really important. We want primals. So just give us big chunks of meat. Let us, you know, break it down and do the rest. So we just get these big packages and we have a big day where we make sausage out of this. Almost the whole pig. You know, we keep ribs. We keep pork chops. We keep um, a, a loin and we keep. Um, the belly for bacon, and then that's everything else goes into sausage. All right, so I'm gonna have to learn. To I'm gonna have to learn how to make sausage from you. Oh yeah, it's, <laughs> it's great. So um, yeah, there's so much versatility, and then like you said, using the whole animal, and that's including bones. So I mean, they mm-hmm. even you know from our cow, they'll give us <clears throat> the packages nicely wrapped of soup bones, which will be like the tail, the ox tail, they call it and maybe some neck bones, but then they give you this huge plastic bag of all the other bones and they have them cut. Those are all good marrow bones and they still make a really great broth. Those will be your knuckle or like knee, you know, um, you like the hip joints. And it's like, people look at those things. Oh, they gave me dog bones. That's great. The farmer this time is like, you know, those are the same same (laughs) bones as, as what, and I was like, oh yeah, those aren't for the dogs. <laughs> She'll get them after I make broth with them. Maybe she can go play yeah. with them in the yard. Then, you know, I, we feed her real food. So she eats the broth and all that too. That's where you get Love the most that. gelatin rich bone broth too, is from those bones. So yeah, I think, 
it's great too because when you split a cow a lot of the time the other person doesn't want the fat you get all of it you know they don't want the organs so you get all of it and it's like thinking about that um, idea of nutrition and eating those to tail and having a variety of, of animal parts that you eat to get the nutrients that you need the way to do it is to buy a half or a whole cow it's the last yes. your family the whole year and then you're eating from all parts of the cow not just the same package of ground beef or you know boneless skinless chicken breast mm-hmm. totally yep. I love that so you seem to know what you believe to be nourishing food and, and how you want to feed your family. And that's about how it's raised and locally. But is there anything that inspired, like what's, what was diet culture for you when you were growing up? Was, yeah. was it low fat and low calorie? What, what you thought a healthy diet was, was cereal for breakfast ever something that you thought was healthy or, <laughs> and you had to evolve to this or how, how did that go? Um, a little bit. I, I probably I would say that my parents probably err on the healthier side of things, you know, and my my dad was very accustomed to the dairy and meat industries. And my mom was actually from Puerto Rico. Um, and so she cooked a lot of homemade meals. Um, but I, I guess I guess there has been like a mainstream shift in in health over the years and recognizing what's in, you know, the packages of seasoning. And and so we probably grew up with more preservatives than we needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, but I did appreciate that my parents, you know, they, they always gave us protein. Like there was always meat at the table and eggs and, and a home cooked meal. And it might've been, you know, non-organic spaghetti noodles, but like we had home cooked food. And so, um, I have definitely dived more into what's in the packaging and what's, I don't know, what's in, you know, injected into some of this meat. And, and so I've gotten into the nuances of it, but my parents were really good about, us being, you know, nourished and healthy and physically active. And that was, that was kind of a requirement in our home. It wasn't really like an option, you know? Um, and so I very much appreciated that because I think it set a good standard for me into adulthood and I've gotten to, to, to dive into, you know, the ins and outs of things, um, dive a little deeper into what health should look like, but not have to make like huge shifts, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think you just that. have a better chance if your mom, that your mom wasn't American. It's like uh, almost yeah, every maybe. culture <laughs> like knows like the women know how to cook and feed their families better. It's like, what have we lost this ability here? It's not just heating lean cuisine in the microwave people yeah. in, in front of the TV. So it's like, and especially like, oh, I get so excited when people tell me their mom's from somewhere <laughs> that's not here. I'm like, <laughs> oh, we ate really we good. <laughs> oh, I want to know how to make all the things. That's so awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'm looking for a Thai grandma to teach me Thai food right now. Cause I'm like really trying to learn like their spices and stuff. So uh-huh. that's been my current obsession, but oh, um, so good. yeah, I love it. I love that. All that, you know, every culture has their different traditions and you know, we're fortunate enough to be close to some Filipinos and they, they've got the, you know, the yes. light chon or whatever, the whole pig roast and like all these other things. And I love asking anyone from anywhere else. like, did you guys have any fermented food? Cause that's my, my favorite thing is fermentation. And it's just so interesting to hear all the different ways, like people make things like pickles or condiments or things that they might even take for granted sauces that you use with every meal. And, and it's just like, but it's scratch made. And when you look into it, these are like these, these little things are adding value to your meals too, adding nutrition to your meals, mm-hmm. uh, you know, digestive properties and all of that kind of stuff. Super interesting. So you did mention fermentation. Um, is that new to you? And what what kind of stuff have you gotten into so far? Yeah, um, sourdough is a big one. We do like sauerkraut, um, you know, pickles, onions, 
Kombucha is a favorite. It's a fan yeah. favorite in our home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do give it to my kids. Very little, little bit sure. of it, but yeah. I mean, I don't buy probiotics or vitamins really. And so I wanted to be able to supplement with, you know, foods yeah. that are, that are filled with good bacteria and, and that's in fermented foods. Like that's, that's where you get it from. Yes. And so, um, yogurt is another one. I mean, I, I love for I love anything fermented and I actually really like love a kind of sour taste to just about anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and That's my great. kids, my kids have acquired that taste too. Sauerkraut is probably their favorite thing. Um, That's so good. So good to be giving that to yeah. little kids because it does help diversify their palate and like the range of flavors that they enjoy. And by making things from scratch, you're having this variation, like natural foods and naturally prepared foods are not always the same. Like if you buy, open a bag of Cheetos, it better be the same as the other bag of Cheetos that you buy. Otherwise, you know, there's something wrong at the company. The line is yeah. <laughs> got messed up. So they don't get that idea that food can vary in taste and texture. And I think that's, what's so important about that home cooking, growing your own food is like, you see that there's this wide range and kids can get used to it. And so you don't have that problem of having picky eaters. Yeah. Yeah. And sourdough, sourdough was like the first thing that really got me into it, like really starting to love it. Um, and I do think it's a valuable skill and it's something that you can learn in your kitchen, whether you have land or you don't, mm-hmm. um, all of fermentation, right. You can learn it yes. in your kitchen. You, you could be in an apartment. Um, and it's just, it's so nourishing. It's valuable to your family. It's fun. It's something my kids look forward to baking every week. You know, it's, uh, my husband loves kombucha. We love drinking kombucha. And so um, that's just something I love giving to my husband is, you know, yeah. <laughs> every week for him to have. And, but yeah, I, I love, I love what you're doing. I've looked at your website. I'm like, okay, I got to do the kefir. I mean, there's so many different, you know, foods that I got to grow in a garden now and start fermenting. <laughs> and I'm going to learn it from your website. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Preservingtoday.com. You can go and I am like obsessed and my, my YouTube channel preserving to uh, today there too. Some like most of my yeah. first videos are about kefir. Like I was like, I, love that. I just wanted to tell people about how much many different things you can use this for. It's amazing. You can even mm-hmm. make your, use your kefir grains and coconut milk, make coconut kefir, which is like like ice cream made of coconut, no added sugar, or anything. It's so good. So rich. Or like I'm using it to make my waffles. I'm adding it to make my ranch dressing last longer in the fridge. And it's just, it's super versatile. And if you have a dairy cow, I would yeah, strongly recommend getting some. That is so cool. Okay. Yeah, you just, just like your SCOBY, you're already doing kombucha. You've got kefir down. No problem. Cause it is a symbiotic colony of uh, bacteria and yeast and you keep the same grains and they grow and reproduce and you add them to new milk. It's like, it's a really, really great project. We're doing um, that then. Uh, I love hearing when people are doing fermentation at home because it is, it's fun. It's fun for kids. It's like a science experiment and, yes. and cooking at the same time. It adds um, value and nourishment and probiotics and diversity flavors. And like the sky's the limit. You can just do ferment all the things. I'm pretty sure that's what my shirt says on the back that I'm <laughs> wearing, but like <laughs> anything that's like comes from the garden, like how can I make this into kimchi or sauerkraut or salsa or like uh, even things that you might've grown up with, like somebody that's always had salsa in the house, just leave it on your counter for 24 hours and it's fermented and put it in your fridge and it won't get moldy. It's like these kind of things that I think people inherently knew uh, at, at a time has been like kind of bred out of us that we don't need to understand our food the same. So everyone's yeah. just scared that it's going to rot. But just like with the clabber culture that I was talking about with raw milk, raw milk doesn't rot when you leave it on the counter. It turns to clabber, turns to mm-hmm. sour milk. You can use it for cooking. You can eat it like yogurt. Um, it's it's different than pasteurized milk, which becomes putrid, rancid, disgusting after a, a day yeah. at room temperature. It's like, 
the more we are working with um, unadulterated ingredients, uh, things that are raw and real and true, those things don't just rot, they evolve. And as we can understand how to work with those things and work with nature and use it all to our advantage, we can understand how to preserve things with, for longer and nourish our family and have an abundance of things instead of like fighting against it and trying to, you know, pasteurize everything, cook everything to death. It's, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's really freeing once I, I felt like I understood it. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to hit on before we wrap up? Um, no, I mean, I think the the one thing I do, like I, I was saying before, just the one message is I think it's important to just kind of rethink where we are in the world and, in, in, you know, in 2023, heading into 2024 and how you can take responsibility of your family's health, your food. I mean, just your situation. <laughs> yeah. I um I, I not saying this out of fear whatsoever, but but we are responsible for our families. Like we are responsible um for making sure that they're you know taken care of properly educated. I mean, just being able to take ownership of your family, I think is something that I really would love people to just think about. And not everyone can afford to move out of, I don't know, whatever city or move in and grab, you know, a hundred acres of land, which you don't need to start a homestead. I have friends that have milk cows on two acres, you know, it's like, and you don't even need a milk cow. <laughs> yeah. There's um, so many variables. There's variations so many ways. It. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, you don't have to do that all yourself. Like I was saying, there are, you were saying this too, there are local farmers that have meat available, that have, you know, milk available, that have CSAs available. There's so many options. And I want people to be able to just, I hope, I hope they're encouraged to just kind of rethink how they take responsibility for their family. Um, the government is not out to save us. No one else is out to save us. Like we, we just need to take ownership. And so that's something that, that I feel like is just totally lost from our culture. Um, it makes me a little sad sometimes, but we get to we get to raise our children differently. And I hope that they have yeah. an appreciation. Like that's my prayer is that they have appreciation for the land that like God has given us to steward well and um and that they have appreciation for the way that they are growing up. And I, I hope that just ignites some some really cool fires in them someday and helps them to find their own passions and um and to serve their own families in the future well too. Yes, I love all that so much. And I am thankful that I feel like the last few years, although really challenging and horrible, (laughs) has been so good for so many people and opened so many eyes and really made people that were maybe just asleep and just going through the motions of what they thought they needed to do, reevaluate their situation and decide what was really important to them. It's moved a lot of people closer to God. It's moved a lot of people closer to families. It's moved a lot of people closer to nature. And all of that is positive as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Um, I believe the the last thing I kind of want to ask is because for December, I'm talking about meal prep. And it's important in my home because I want to cook scratch food. And I don't always have time to make something from absolute scratch that night. So even when you're thinking of prepping, you're thinking of feeding your sourdough starter on time and then starting your, your, your bread and shaping it, you know, and you have a schedule. What kind of stuff do you do in your house to have things kind of more ready so that you can cook from scratch more easily? Yeah. Um, okay. I might sound a little crazy here, but I plan out every single meal, (laughs) um, for an entire month. And so that is something that has worked really well for me. I take an hour to do it. Um, my husband will watch the kids one night, you know, and they have their daddy daughter time. Um, but I, that is really important for me to plan out. Now I, when I cook a meal though, 
I, I cook a lot of it. I don't just cook for <laughs> that meal that I'm eating. And so I will plan like, Hey, that's going to be a meal that we eat three weeks from now or two weeks from now, you know, and I know how much to cook of it. And so I do save a lot of it. Um, I haven't dipped into canning myself yet. That's something I'm super excited to learn about, but I do freeze. I freeze a lot of stuff. I freeze soups. I freeze meats. I mean, I, and all I have to do is heat it back up. All I have to do is cool. saw it and heat it back up. And so if I, that saved us a lot of money. Like I, mm-hmm. I have looked back and been like, wow, I spent a lot of money on food. Um, we don't eat out a lot. I don't know. So that mm-hmm. might play. We just don't have anywhere to eat out. Like I can go to the Dollar General, you know, <laughs> yeah. and like grab a, a cup of ramen, I guess. But mm-hmm. we don't really have places that are close by to eat out. Um, so if I had really nice restaurants, I'm, I would probably consider you know, going out every day. Yeah, when yeah. you're still close <laughs> enough to the city, it's like, oh, do you want to go get pho? Because it sounds yeah, really good Exactly. Yeah. You know what yeah. I really, really miss is curry. And when oh. we were in California, we had great curry. Like I felt like it was just everywhere. Thai curry and or Indian curry? Thai curry. Thai curry. Mm-hmm. I love Thai curry. And so I've I've made it a few times, but it's just it doesn't have the same taste that I'm that I I'm not quite there yet. Also, uh, I'm obsessed with it. I'll send you the the link to the curry paste that I buy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And yeah. I, yeah. And the recipe. <laughs> yes. But just just planning out my meals, like taking the time. And it, it, it does take a while at first. And then I, I, I started to use recipe cards. And so um, it's like, okay, I, I have all my ingredients. I know that I have all that. If I need to run to the store, um, I don't go to the store every week. Like I don't. You I can just, plan ahead if you're plan. planning your meals that far ahead, right? Yeah. 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 And, and it's super bigger helpful. batches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Takes a little bit of prep work, but it, it pans out in the end really well. Yeah. So you're planning your meals ahead and you're planning in for leftovers. You're, you're mm-hmm. batch cooking stuff and freezing it, which I love yes. that. And then freezing it so that it's easy enough to just like thaw it and reheat it or even just yeah. like... Ch- Sometimes I just throw it on the stove and let the giant soup cube melt, you know, it (laughs) depends on if I remember or not, or how much room there is in the fridge. (laughs) And then for me, I'm always, always also pulling from these condiments that I always have keep stocked that I make from scratch as well. So I have pesto or curry paste, or I have, um, all the sauerkraut, taqueria pickles, whatever, dill pickles, whatever fermented stuff that we need to kind of go with whatever we're having. Curry also freezes really well and reheats. So I always make a double batch. And keep yeah. that. And then you just make rice and, and put the curry in the, the pot. So good. So, yes, it is so good. So, um, yeah, I think. And also, if you get into making sausage, that's like the fastest thing to thaw from your freezer. And then it also cooks really quick. And it's like they're in their like own little containers. You know what I mean? It's just There's like, dinner. <laughs> there it is. Just cook that off and have some sauerkraut in the yep, sauerkraut. mustard. <laughs> and you're good to go. Yeah, that's excellent. Cool. That's what I'm going to be talking about the month of December is all things um, meal prep and how to be, be ready for those things. So you're going to eat real food and not have it be like seem overwhelming or be a hassle. No, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. Right. Well, Lexi, I'm super excited that you reached out to me because I really like you. And this was an excellent conversation. I hope it's not our last. And again, tell everybody Instagram is home team farm. Yes. Yes. And is that what you call your homestead home team? It is home team. It kind of a representation of, you know, our family is our home team and America is our home team. And and that's where our priorities are. So I love it. Excellent. Thank you yeah. so much for, for being on the Greener Postures podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Love talking to you. Thanks for listening. I'm Lanny, and this is the Greener Postures podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Preserving Today. Subscribe to the Preserving Today YouTube channel and go to preservingtoday.com to sign up for my mailing list. 
questions, feedback, or would you like to be a guest on the show? Send me a DM or you can email me at greenerpostures at pm.me. I'd love to hear from you. If you're interested in attending one of my online workshops, go to greenerpostures.com workshops. And remember, today's cabbage is tomorrow's kraut.